if you want to avoid all the sickness this winter, the snotty noses, the coughs, the colds, the sleepless nights, the fevers, the Panadol and the antibiotics, the ear infections, the grumpy, tired kids, the days off work and school and childcare, are all those memories of last winter coming back? I'm here to tell you that it doesn't have to be that way this winter. I have a free online masterclass, three simple ways to boost your kids' immunity to avoid a winter full of sickness. It's on demand, meaning you can register and watch it straight away or watch it at a time that is convenient for you. Head on over to naturalsuperkids.com forward slash immune and you will be able to sign up. In the masterclass, I am covering our natural, simple and effective approach to avoiding winter infections, how to boost your family's immunity with our proven three-step naturopathic strategy that is really easy for you to implement as a busy mum. We're going to talk about the immune depleters that you need to avoid so you're not wasting time and money building up your kids' immunity that is just being depleted by these common foods and environmental factors. I am sharing heaps of practical tips. I promise it will be an hour well spent. You can register again at naturalsuperkids.com forward slash immune. I can't wait to hear how you find it and to give you the tips to make this winter healthier. Welcome to the Natural Super Kids podcast, where you will discover practical strategies to inspire you to boost the health and nutrition of your kids. I'm Jessica Donovan, a qualified naturopath specializing in kids' health, and I want to make it as easy as possible for you to raise healthy and happy kids. Let's get into it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Natural Super Kids podcast. This is our final episode in the Environmental Allergies series, and today we're talking about mold. Now, if you have missed the last three episodes, you can go back and listen to those at your convenience. Last week, we covered asthma. We're going to be talking a bit about asthma today and how mold can fit into that. Uh, The week before, we covered pollens and grasses and hay fever, and the week before that, we covered dust mites. And so these are all, um, you know, environmental allergies that certain people react to. The important thing to note about mold, though, is that mold can cause allergic reactions, but it can also cause inflammatory reactions as well. Um, So it's not always sort of related to allergies, but mold is a common cause of allergy and asthma symptoms, something that is often not recognized when it comes to asthma, that mold can be exacerbating the symptoms of asthma. So mold is a type of fungus that produces spores that float through the air. It can grow on almost anything when moisture or damp environments are present. 
It can be found indoors and outdoors. Um, And as I said, it can cause both inflammatory and allergic reactions. And mold tends to be a bigger issue now than it ever has been before because of the way our houses are built, the materials that are used, the more more modern materials that are used in building. Now, this is definitely not an area of expertise for me. Um, Nicole Bilsma, who I hope to get on the podcast at some point, her surname is spelt B-I-J-L-S-M-A, is Australia's sort of leading expert on building biology. Um, And she has a website, buildingbiology.com.au, which is a great source of information um, on mould and other sort of factors um, within the home uh, that can be contributing to illness and sickness um, in modern society. She's got a fantastic book called Healthy Home, Healthy Family, which goes into a lot of detail about mould and, as I said, other sort of factors within buildings um, and within our environment that can impact our health and well-being. So the interesting thing to note about mould is that around 24% of our population, so that's a quarter for those of you who maybe aren't strong at maths, um, a quarter of people cannot create antibodies to mould genetically. So it's nothing that that can be changed about that. So every time they're exposed to mould, it sets up an inflammatory response in their body that doesn't switch off. In contrast, the rest of the population, so three quarters of us, do produce antibodies which enable us to recognise and clear um, you know, the antigens that are that are involved in mould exposure from the body. And this is why some people in a water-damaged home or when they're exposed to mould can get very sick while their partners or other people that are living with them can be completely well. So genetically, some people just can't, just don't create the antibodies um, to mould that are necessary to clear um, it from the system or, or to clear the antigens um, that are produced from the system, which is why that inflammatory sort of uh, process is set up. So let's talk about the symptoms associated with mold illness, mold allergy. Um, fatigue. Fatigue is a big one. Fatigue that is not alleviated by sleep um, and the like the sleep rhythm, the circadian rhythm can be really disrupted as well. Um, lung problems such as you know cold and flu symptoms, recurrent colds and flus that are difficult to get rid of, coughing, asthma, sinusitis, hay fever, pneumonia. So lung respiratory symptoms are really common um, with mold issues. Chronic fatigue syndrome, you know. Mold um, illness is often uh, misdiagnosed as chronic fatigue, um, where th- things like headaches and sleep disturbances, brain fog, uh, where you know you can't find words, poor poor sort of short term memory, uh, being forgetful, fibromyalgia, so those unusual sort of body aches and pains. Um, 
And interestingly, also inability to thermoregulate, so feeling hot or feeling cold, um, you know, often. SIRS, chronic inflammatory response syndrome, um, is often uh, linked with mold as well, mold exposure issues with mold. Um, this is a chronic progressive illness that affects multiple body systems and similar sort of symptoms to, to chronic fatigue. Fatigue, brain fog, headaches, vertigo, metallic taste in mouth, aches and pains, numbness, tingling, sleep disturbances. It just sounds awful, doesn't it? And as you can see from that, both those chronic fatigue syndrome symptoms and the SIRS symptoms symptoms, they're, um, you know, they're multi-systemic. They're affecting multiple body systems. Um, about 30% of, of people that are affected by mold will experience also excessive urination and thirst. And this is a really interesting one. Easily get shocked when touching appliances. So, so easily get electrical shocks. Uh, many patients go on to develop chemical sensitivity and electromagnetic hypersensitivity, which just makes you know the inflammatory process and all of these symptoms worse. And important, really important to note and to to sort of um, help differentiate what's going on with someone is that symptoms often improve when they're away from the building um, that that sort of has the mold in it. So it's pretty nasty symptoms. And you can see where, you know, if you sort of show up to a doctor's office with fatigue, you know, colds and flus, headaches, sleep disturbances, a lot of doctors don't, you know, automatically think of mold or something within the environment that can be affecting, um, you know, a particular person. So, um, really important to sort of note these symptoms um, and see a practitioner that is very experienced in in mold illness um, and mold health issues. So when we're thinking about mold, um, the cause of mold is moisture. So microorganisms like mold require food and moisture to thrive, um, and without the moisture, uh, mold cannot survive. So, so important. The key to addressing mold problems is to identify the source of moisture. Um, Once moisture sits on a surface for around 48 hours, the microbes on the surface will attempt to take over the space by, by producing endotoxins, mycotoxins and microbial volatile organic compounds which dramatically impact the indoor air quality and affect the health of the occupants of that particular building. So mold is a huge issue and really also important to note that you don't have to see mold or smell dampness for it to be a problem. A huge amount of buildings are affected by mold Um, And we'll talk about sort of how to determine whether your house or um, a particular building is, does have mold as a problem. Um, But what sort of leads to the moisture in the first place in buildings, there's a whole range of things. So condensation issues, plumbing, gutter or roof issues, allowing moisture to penetrate inside the building. A building that is on a floodplain or above a watercourse, 
poor drainage around the home, building on a hill or at the bottom of a hill, having garden beds butting up against the house. Obviously, humidity um, is you know, is a big contributor to mould growth and water um, within buildings. So living in humid areas where the humidity, the relative humidity is is consistently over 70% increases, you know, that, um, that moisture and mould issue inside buildings. Absent or insufficient waterproof barriers in the wet areas of the home, um, you know, and we might not even know that this is happening within our bathrooms. You know, it can be a mistake by a tradie maid um, on the waterproof barriers, and then all of a sudden we have a mould issue in our home. Insufficient subfloor ventilation, damage to the damp proof course, uh, metal framed homes create thermal bridges where condensation occurs. Uh, concrete slab has not yet cured and is consequently releasing tons of moisture into the indoor air. Water damaged timber used to build a home or was left out in the rain during construction and so many more. So this information is directly from um, Nicole Bilsma um, from her amazing book, Healthy Home, Healthy Family. So these are the things that she lists as, you know, really common sources of water damage in home that leads to mould. Now, if we are looking at testing our home for mould, so if you're thinking, oh, you know, um, I would really like to figure out whether whether mould is an issue in my home, just know that it is a complicated procedure. And, you know, for really, you know, for, for the most accurate results, you want to consider hiring either a building biologist and you can head on over to buildingbiology.com.au if you're in Australia um, to find a list of people in your area um, or an IICRC accredited mould remediator. Um, and IICRC is the Institute of Inspection, Cleaning and Restoration Certification. So really, you know, what I'm getting at is you need a professional that knows what they're doing to determine whether mould is an issue in your home and sort of how you can get rid of it. And, you know, a lot of people with mould illness or mould allergy um, need to move homes because once there has been water damage, the mould can be really difficult to get rid of. So as I said, you don't necessarily see mould and there's a lot of misinformation and lots of information on how to get rid of mould if you look online. Um, And again, Nicole Bilsma talks about the fact that bleach is ineffective in cleaning um, and killing fungi like mould. And the reason for that is because it's highly alkaline and may provide the microbes in a water-damaged building with a food source. Uh, So that is not what we want. Um, And bleach only bleaches the mould until such a time that the melanin compounds recover and voila, within weeks, the mould becomes visible again. So bleach doesn't get rid of mould. It sort of, you know, colours it. and so we don't want to be, you know, relying on just bleach to get rid of uh, to get rid of mold. 
The other thing that is often talked about online are essential oils. So clove essential oil, tea tree essential oil. And while these essential oils are effective antifungal agents, um, you know, they are very sort of strong and the the vast amount of, say, clove or tea tree essential oil that is required to um, remediate a mould issue can be toxic to children and also to chemically sensitive individuals, which people that that sort of are reacting to mould or have mould illness often are. Um, you know, there is a re- there's a lot of science um, to mould and, um, you know, killing mould is irrelevant when most spores are already dead um, in terms of, you know, they can't germinate, but they can still cause harm when they are inhaled. So it's another reason why using things like bleach or clove essential oil are not the kind of be all and end all when it comes to mould. So the best way to deal with mould is to physically remove it. Um, and this can be achieved by, uh, what's known as like a HEPA sandwich, um, which involves vacuuming the affected surface using a vacuum cleaner fitted with a HEPA filter, H-E-P-A filter, and then wiping with a damp microfiber cloth and then vacuuming again. And the microfiber cloth should be soaked in half a litre of water um, with a squirt of dishwashing liquid. Uh, and so so this procedure will remove the biofilm that microbes in a water-damaged building feed on. So then the cloths need to be rinsed thoroughly before reusing. And at the end of the job, the cloth should be discarded along with the HEPA filter and disposable vacuum cleaner bag. So it's quite a process. Um and you can find out more about, you know, like the details of dealing with mold and getting rid of mold, as I said in um, Nicole Bilsma's brilliant book, Healthy Home, Healthy Family. Uh, it's, um, I just really, you know, today wanted to bring, I guess, attention to this area. There was a lot of information circulating um, after the big floods here in Australia. Was that last year or the year before? Um, Because there was so many buildings that were water damaged, hence so many people whose health was being affected by mould. And when it comes to children, you know, we do need to be aware of this sort of list of symptoms that I went over at the start of this podcast episode um, to determine whether our kids may be or our kids' health may be um, being affected by mould or whether mould within the house could be contributing to your child's, you know, recurrent colds and respiratory symptoms, um, you know, tiredness, sleep disturbances. As you heard, there's a whole range of symptoms um, that can be associated with mould illness. So I am hoping to get, uh, you know, to to continue to cover this topic on mould on the podcast in the future and to get some experts in this area on. So uh, watch this space um, for that. But this is sort of designed to be an introduction um, and to just build that awareness uh, about mould and how 
it can impact our health and how it's not as easy as just bleaching or getting some clove oil to get rid of the mold in your house. Like it can be a really big issue. Um, And as I've said, you know, people have had to move houses that are affected by mold um, to, you know, really get rid of that source um, that's affecting their health. So I hope this was an interesting episode for you to listen to. I'd love to hear from you if you have um if you if you've been affected by mold, um if you feel like your your children's symptoms may be um you know associated with mold um and also you know if you I'd love to hear from you also if you want more information um on mold Um, in some more informative podcast episodes. So reach out to me on Instagram over at Natural Super Kids um, for that. Thank you so much for listening. And I will be back next week with a new series on the podcast. So make sure you tune in to find out what that is. Bye for now. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Head on over to our website, naturalsuperkids.com for the show notes for this episode, as well as a whole heap of inspiration to help you raise healthy and happy kids. I'll see you next week. Before you go, don't forget about my free online on-demand masterclass, Three Simple Ways to Naturally Boost Your Kids' Immunity to Avoid a Winter Full of Sickness. I'm sharing my practical tips on ways that you can strengthen your whole family's immune system to avoid the onslaught of winter infections so your family can stay healthy and well this winter. You can sign up at naturalsuperkids.com forward slash immune.